Hey, what's going on? Thank you so much for joining this week's episode, this week's message on the Zoe Church podcast. We are concluding part number five of a study we've been going through out of the book of 1 Peter. You're going to hear from my wife teaching out of 1 Peter chapter 5 today. We're going to jump into the message in just a moment, but I want to remind everyone to like and subscribe, share a comment on the podcast, share it on social media, help us get the message out. And I want to thank everyone that is a part of our community. If you're ever in LA and you're part of our Zoe family, make sure you stop by and visit us soon. But come on, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Julia, the conclusion of Walk the Talk into 1 Peter, written by Peter, and uh, we're going to talk today about what it looks like to walk the talk, and uh, we are ending in chapter 5, and Peter's audience uh, is Gentile Christians, who, and he's offering um, hope and guidance, and um, in, in chapter 5 is the, the conclusion of the, the whole book of 1 Peter, we, we have some familiar scriptures if you've come to church, if you've come to this church. We use one of the scriptures a lot that talks about casting your cares on Jesus or casting your anxieties on him. And we're going to get there in a minute. But really what I want to talk about today is about having an attractive spirit. You know, we um, are in a new year, and uh, maybe you're like, I would like a redo on my new year. February 1st is the new January 1st. Hello, anyone who's had COVID in January. Uh, 30% of us says this is statistics. But um, we are we're in a new year, and I was thinking about this last night. I was like, what is my goal for this year? What is my aim? You know, what if I'm making a mood board? a vision board. What am I putting as my theme word of the year? And I really thought about this. Is like, I want to aim and to grow and to develop what it looks like to have a beautiful spirit. We want to be attractive Christians. We want to not only relate, you know, all those who have heard enough spiritual jargon. We want to relate to people that don't know Jesus, but we want people to be attracted to our spirituality. And uh, we've heard the expression that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. My six-year-old son, Maverick, um, he is a lover, and um, he, this is getting weird, if you think of Chad and I as dad and mom. He wants Chad and I to smoochy kiss in front of him. I'm like, too much, May. That's weird. Okay, but... Um, he is just like, you know, when we tell it, there's a, there's a kissing on the screen and, uh, you know, we, this is, okay, movies that are appropriate. Okay, reverse, it's fine, attractive spirit. Um, we tell the kids to close their eyes and Maverick's the one that peeks. Well, he has found a girl that um, her name is Serena. He's in love with, he has a plan to marry her by um, the age of 16, uh, but... When I say beauty is in the eye of beholder, he, he is in love with this girl, and she's a little rough around the edges. Like, uh, it's like she wears a tutu, and I think the mom understands that she needs an accessory, you know? So, I mean, obviously, she's beautiful to her mother, and she's God's child, so she's beautiful. But 
she is rough around the edges in spirit too. Like she's a spicy kindergartner. And um, he is just in love with it. I mean, Serena does no wrong to math. Like she's beautiful in spirit. She's beautiful in, in, you know, and he's just blinded by love. Like he is fully blinded by love. And I'm trying to explain to him and slow him down because he's in love with love. So that's a problem uh, when he gets older. So I've got to make him understand that we are attracted to people by who they are. Kindness, joy, gentleness, fruits of the spirit. And, um, you know, we are all aging. And when I say we, I mean me. I'm turning 40 this year. Shout out to skincare and um, wrinkle prevention. But um, I'm not getting any younger. And I am not talking today about working hard to maintain a physical glow. I'm working to also this year really aim to grow and to develop what it means to look like, to carry a beautiful spirit. So we're diving in, and the first four verses of chapter five talk about, he's speaking to his fellow elders and pastors and leaders, and he's talking about, let's be willing and eager and excited to lead with integrity. Let's do well. Let's be, how many of you guys know that we need more integrous leaders in our world right now? And uh, he's basically saying, wherever you're leading, if you're leading in home, if you're leading as a mom, if you're leading in business, you have influence on your life. Lead well. Just lead well. So the apostle Peter, he's, um, he's, he's done instructing, and now he's come to instruct the, the flock, basically, the, the people of the church. And he's, he's talking in verse 5. He says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. You know, number one, if you're taking notes, humility looks good on you. Humility is attractive. Ask any single girl here today. They are not like, you know what I am looking for? I, woo, what I want is a guy that talks in third person. Tall, dark, and boastful. Oh, they don't want sexy Steve or, you know, Juicy John. They want like... They want like 401k Frank or like homeowner humble Harry, you know? <laughs> Sit down. Be, no, this is Chad does rap lyrics, so I'm like trying. Okay. <laughs> Sit down, be humble. That's something you do, right? Walk it like a talk it. No. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I, yeah, it's fine. I would probably sing something worse, but okay. But. Humility is attractive. The problem is with humility is that we're not born that way. Now, some of us, I understand that you wake up humble. Like, you have a beautiful spirit. You were designed that way. That is not necessarily the DNA that God had gifted me with. And I, anyone that has a toddler has experienced and knows what it looks like to not be born with a humble spirit. It's fascinating how many things a kid can think of before they even talk, how they yell and communicate and cry because they're fixated on all the things that they need and want, especially around the bedtime hour. I cannot give you any more snacks, scratches, 
cuddles, songs, make-believe stories where I'm under a tent. No, I'm not a ghost. You have to be there. That Okay, we're back on attractive spirit. There's a lot of things that the kids need, and they want, and they communicate what they want. We're not humanly designed to be selfless. And I love this picture that he's saying, humble ourselves toward one another as well. So he says, clothe, wear, dress. The verb, the action of putting on. He's saying to wear and to cover. A lot of us, sometimes it's hard enough to think about what we're going to wear in the morning, let alone all the things that we need to put on our armor of God. We need to put on the fruits of the Spirit. And I love that picture. He's saying just clothe yourselves. The Greek verb of clothe is a rare verb that we that says is meaning tie yourselves up in humility like a cloth the same one that we see that's wrapping and tying that slaves wear but the same one that we see when Jesus washes the feet of the disciples he takes off his coat and he wears a tunic that he shouldn't be seen with as an act of humility and servitude towards one another See, it needs to be visible that we have a different look. It needs to look like we are wearing a uniform of love, a uniform of humility to others. Peter's audience was under persecution. They weren't just going through a hard day. When it rains, it pours. It's not a flat tire and a broken nail. They were worried about if their kids were going to live the next day. They were in surviving mentality. See, our last two years, we can all agree, has become increasingly more individualized. We've all lived with a hint of individualism and survival mentality as a culture. We've never been more individualized. I don't know if you know this, but you were born with two fears. Anyone wave at me if you know what these are? Anyone know? We are born, babies are born with two fears. We are born with the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. We are created to need and innately want to be held, to be known, and to have peace. And what happens when life gets loud? Or when someone that was supposed to hold you violated that? What happens? That's when anxiety sets in. That's when individualized mentality starts to creep in. We become isolated and detached, left alone with our worries and fears. Even though we innately want to be known and to be, get to have attention. And even our phone reminds us of what we don't have and how far we are away from what we don't have. We live with this mindset of how can the world serve me? Or even worse, how does this world and my experience in it define who I am? And at the center of that, Self-isolation is pride. Because what we're saying is we don't trust you. We don't depend on you. 
And I love the picture of humility because it is removing pride. It's removing individualization. And he's saying, serve one another. Be confident because you know how much they are loved. He says, humble yourselves, plural, all of us. This is a group project. This is a community. I'm talking to groups that are spread across islands and communities. He's speaking to a group. He's saying, humble yourselves, submit to those that God has placed over you. Hello, someone needs to call your mom and apologize and tell her that she was right today. But we need to submit to one another. I love that Paul also has this passion and burden for the church in prison. He's thinking about, he says, therefore, in Ephesians, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. See, he's like, we need to have peace, not in our souls, but we need to have peace and unity together. Bearing means that we're carrying the weight and of one another. It's just, it's empathy. It's compassion. It's saying what you're going through, I'm going through. I care. I want to feel. And in the same way Jesus exemplified this, I talked about this, not only washing the feet of Jesus or the feet of the disciples, but Jesus showed his humility by becoming man and dying on the cross in the ultimate sacrifice of love. Why? Because he was obsessed with us, but also that we could have an image of understanding what love is so that we can be dispensers of love. If Jesus can carry a cross for us, let's strive and aim to be carriers of an attractive spirit to help and to serve others. Amen? Come on, anyone committed to die to pride so that heaven can live within us? Let's be the light that shines so bright. Number two, his plan is worth planning for. Verse six, it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Some translations, it says in proper time, he may exalt you. You know the issue with due time or proper time? It's not my time. It's not our time. If we're being honest, a lot of times we're going to God. Our prayer life sounds like we're just trying to get God on our time. Ooh, hi, hi, God, I know you're busy. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> I have a request. Can you see that I'm kind of in a hurry right now? Actually, I'm getting impatient. Could you? And if we're like, okay, sorry, God, I understand. Your time is better. I trust in your time. Could you just tell me when your time is going to? Can just, I'm, I won't tell anyone. Just tell me because it's exhausting to run when you don't know where the finish line is. I can go through anything as long as I know what the light at the end of the tunnel is. We had four kids. Um, I birthed them. But um, every time I chose not to have an epidural, don't ask me why. Somehow this just was a decision I made. And I would say, can you just tell me how much longer? I just, how much longer until I'm done with this pain? We've all been there. Where we're like, oh, okay, God, I think I trust you, but when the waiting gets hard, I kind of need strength to be able to live like I am part of the plan with you. 
I love that he continues in the theme of humility. He says, humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand. A humble heart allows us to see God's mighty hand at work. Pride blocks that. It, 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 it fogs our vision. It, 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 it blinds us from being able to see what God is doing in our life. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but it's giving less credit to ourselves. It's basically saying, God, I trust you. I trust your plan, but I also trust that you are good and you know what's best for me. We see the mighty hand all throughout the Old Testament, and it has different meanings. A hand of instruction, a hand of discipline. In this context, it's a hand of guidance, the same that we see God guiding his children out of captivity in Exodus into freedom. This is a guidance into favor. He's saying, I've got favor and blessing if you would just trust me as I guide you. In due time, in my time, in the proper time, I will exalt you. His timing is worth the wait, but in the wait, let's plan to live in proximity and trust under the authority of the one who knows that he has the best in store for us. Amen. Number three, and I want to invite the worship team to come. You can trust him with your cares. Verse seven, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is a different verse, but it's a continuation of the same thought. A lot of times we talk about cast your cares, but six and seven go together. It's a comma and a lowercase c, cast your cares or cast your anxieties. I think because what Peter's trying to get at and trying to get us to understand is that before we just go ahead and dump our cares, we need to have a revelation in his time. And we need to have a revelation that we are not only protected, but we are guided under the mighty hand. How many of you know that we don't always need someone to fix our problems. We just want someone that cares. When I go to Chad with whatever child is overwhelming me and I just want to tell him and communicate, I don't want him to fix him, fix it or offer a solution. I want him to sit there with an empathetic face, no words, maybe, mm-hmm, I'm sorry. Maybe we could cry together and pray together and definitely eat together afterwards, but I don't want him to fix it. I want to know that he cares. Do you know that there's a God that cares for you today? He cares. I think we can all agree that the statistics confirm that we're living in a more anxious day. I mean, look at, look at the prayer requests. There was the word anxious or anxiety three different times. There was the word peace three different times. Someone was asking for prayer for panic attacks about their future. Anxiety is really just like fear and worry about an outcome. Not being able to know what tomorrow holds. I understand there's real anxiety from trauma and pain and you've sought medical help and I'm, I'm praying and I'm believing for freedom and healing for you today. But there's a lot of daily anxiety that we say, okay, I'm just gonna come to church. I'm gonna cast my cares and then dump them at the altar. But somehow they follow me home on Monday. 
They're, they're with me still. I think we need to get a revelation of how much he cares today. I think that we need to understand and trust that there's safety in his arms. It's hard enough to find an apartment in LA and drive five miles without traffic and get your kids into an affordable preschool and squeeze in a date and wash my hair and somehow eat healthy. Winston told me I had chubby muscles the other day. I mean, there's a lot of pressure and I have to live with the fruits of the spirit while I'm doing the kids at the car drop off. Thank you for listening. Hi, my name is Okay. There's fear about our future. There's sometimes just fear in doing a simple task in a day. The old translation talks about casting our cares. We all have an outlet. We all dump or vent or direct somewhere. I wonder today if Sometimes we're reluctant to cast our anxieties and cares because we don't have a full revelation that God loves all part of us. Maybe you're like, ah, I think he likes the good part of me. I don't know about all the parts, the bad parts, the parts I really don't want to show anyone ever. I've been a professional hoarder of my hurt I know how to bury it real deep. I actually don't know how to cast because it's dug down. I know I'm going over. I just want to tell a story that the Holy Spirit just... In September... No, no, no. Don't clap for me. It's fine. Um, in September, Georgia, while at school, had a, um, she had an injury and she broke her tibia while at school. And um, it's been a weird process and she just turned 10 years old. And if you don't know, we have a daughter with severe special needs. She doesn't walk or talk and she has like the development of a three month old. And when we, she was given her diagnosis, they said that she would probably live like to a few years of age and just basically a death sentence. And it's been a journey with her. But you learn how to live with pain and dysfunction. And um, when she broke her leg, she was unable to go to school. And it's just like we got into a routine of like just knowing how to live. And it was like every dead bone was dug up. And I just had to, re like, I, we relived her, like, diagnosis stage. And it was just, like, it was really grieving. And I, I, just the Holy Spirit just showed me that in order to really, really love and to give love, sometimes you just have to dig and to dig and to lift it out and dispense it somewhere. Can you trust him with that today? Can you get a revelation of his love today that he cares? That he's trustworthy of whatever is hidden in your heart? He cares. 
He cares. Go ahead and stand to your feet. The end of First Peter, he goes on and he says, once you're humble, once you have a revelation of my love, he's like, get ready for the fight. He's like, be alert and a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There's, there's a real fight and I wanna strengthen you and I wanna remind you of my love, but get ready. Learn how to resist him. Learn how to put on the armor of God. Clothe yourself in humility. Submit to my mighty hand. Understand that you're loved. Trust in my timing, but gear up. There is a war out there and I've called you to my purpose and there's more outside these walls that I have a heart for and that's his church and that's his people and that's my city. And he says, keep your guard, but stay soft. Let your walls of your heart be vulnerable because there's a community, unity and humility will be our guide to bond us together and to strengthen us for the fight. And in verse 10, it says, And the God of all grace, who called you to this eternal glory, after have suffered a little while, He will restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast, just like we sang about. I don't know about you, but I want to be firm and steadfast and strong for the calling and the task that is ahead. How many of you guys want to commit to love one another, submit to his plan, trust in his timing? God, we just thank you. We thank you that you.